So today, I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John chapter 3. That's where we're going to be. Uh, if you've got your phone and you've got the app out, if you've never downloaded the app, go to North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store. Download the app. It's the easiest way to follow along. I was here last week with Casey. I watched Cole the week before, had my app out, taking notes in it. It's an easy, easy way to follow. So to give you a little chance to get there. So let's set up where we are today. John wrote this gospel. Uh, he wrote his gospel, the book of John. Then he wrote this letter called 1 John. This letter was written not at the beginning of John's journey. This letter was written at the end of John's journey. Okay, let's tell, call time out real quick. How many of you that are getting older, we got a lot of college students in here, so you can't, you can't answer this, but for those of you that are getting a little older, have noticed you don't have as much of a filter as you used to have. Raise, raise your hand. It's like, what happened to my filter? I am truly, have y'all seen these progressive commercials about you becoming your parent? You're telling people how to park and how to drive. Well, John is at the end of his journey, and John's losing his filter. John is going, all right, the, the lines of Christianity are, are, are going away. We can't really tell who goes to church and who doesn't go to church. There's really no difference between a person that says they follow Christ and a person that doesn't follow Christ. And John, listen to what he says, it's not supposed to be that way. John said, when you were called, God had a plan for you. And today, John, let's go with a filter. And he goes, let me tell you about who Jesus is and what he does for you. First John chapter three, would y'all stand with me in the room today? If you're online and you're watching in a den, I'd love for you to stand. If you're driving, Please stay seated, all right? And so for all the, the benefit of everybody around you. Here we go, 1 John chapter three. We could live literally, today I could do one verse because everything's in this one verse. Listen to what he says. At the end of his journey, he could tell you anything about God. He walked with Jesus, he talked with Jesus, he watched the miracles of Jesus. If he could tell you anything about him, this is what he says, verse one. See how very much our Father loves us. John, at the end of the journey, saying, knowing all that I know, I can't get over how much he loves me. But he could be downloading God. Let me tell you what I had, the miracle I saw him doing. Let me tell you about, no, no, no. John says, let me tell you what I've never gotten over. I've never gotten over how very much our Father loves us. You know, love's a funny word because we throw love around. This love is a, it's a, it's a word that doesn't have strings tied to it. For he calls us his what? Help me out again. He calls us his what? Children. Meaning he adopted you. February 24th, 1969, I was born to my parents at South Fulton Hospital in, in the south side of Atlanta. When my parents went to the room after I was born, they didn't get to go down there and go, yeah, that one looks more athletic than that one. I'll take that one, all right? They didn't get to do that. They were stuck with me. But when you're adopted, it's a choice of a person to say, I choose you to be mine. Listen to what he says. See how much our very, very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And then listen to what John says. And that is what we are. We are his children. But the people who belong to the world, they don't recognize we're God's children because they don't know him. There's gonna be times you're gonna go through something in life and you're gonna say, I'm gonna pray about it. And somebody at the work's gonna look at you like you got three heads. They're gonna go, I don't understand what you're talking about. 
You're gonna say, man, I just feel a peace in the middle of this. How in the world do you feel a peace in the middle of this? You just lost somebody. You just went through this. What he's saying is, if you're not God's child, you're not gonna understand what God does. Dear friends, we are already God's children, for he has not yet shown us what we'll be like when Christ appears. Meaning, right now we look a little like him, but there we're gonna look just like him, is what he's saying, and we'll talk about it here in a second. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. There will be a day, ladies and gentlemen, we will lay eyes on Jesus and see who he really is. And I'm gonna see how far short I fell all these years trying to describe him to you. And I'm gonna go, man, it was, I could have gone so much bigger. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. All right, everybody look at me real quick. Have you ever waited on somebody to come to your house you were excited to see? Eager expectations when you're sitting there looking out the window for that car to turn in the driveway. When Mary Michael was off at Liberty in that eight-hour drive home, and of course, being the parents that we are, we tracked her every second of the way. Don't tell her. She was being tracked all the time. But anyway, so, but we eagerly expected that car to turn in the driveway and we'd rush out of that house to go meet him. He said, when we're God's children, we eagerly expect his appearing and therefore we live pure because I can't wait to see him. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to God's law. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there's no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning, and I'll explain all this in a second, does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, you know the Lord. Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. All right, time out real quick. And I won't make you stand forever, but hold on real quick. He, he says this, we're either gonna look like our heavenly father, who we say we know, or we're gonna look like our father in this world. Not your earthly father, but the father of this world, the enemy. And every day, I'm giving a portrait of one of the two by how I live out my life. And so are you. That's called legacy. It's the legacy that we're leaving with our lives. Listen to what he goes on to say. We'll go on down to verse nine. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them, so they keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. <laughs> so John, tell us how you feel, all right? And so if you don't love other people and you don't love the people of the church, you don't love the Lord. Today is about what God can do and how he can change our lives. You guys can be seated. So let's dive in real quick. So how does this change happen? So when we reach that point, he begins with, and we become God's child and we begin to follow Jesus, principle number one happens, ready? God's love is wrapped around me. God's love is wrapped around me. All right, yeah, this is a yes or no question. School's back in session, so I get to ask questions. Does God know everything about you, yes or no? Yes, and he chooses to love you anyways. 
John goes, I look at the frailty of my life and here's what I can't get over. God loves me. And it's not based on my performance. It's not based on how good I do. See, in our minds, we think we work to gain God's love. No, we gain God's love and then we begin to change. It's not, you don't work for it, you don't earn it. So we live in a performance-based mentality. That's just the, the world that we live in. Um, if you ever participated in athletics, you got on the field because you performed. You don't perform, you don't get on the field. That's how it works. That's how you ride the pine. You ride the pine because you ain't producing. And spiritually, we think the same thing. I remember being at Liberty and it was probably my sophomore, junior year. I came in to pitch against a, a team there in Virginia. And first guy up, nobody on, nobody out. It's like the third inning. First guy lays a bunt down the third baseline. Wow, he was fast. I mean, he was lightning fast. He beats it out. Next guy up, lays one down the first baseline. I get to the ball, turn, there's no play. Now I got guys on first and second. I know what the third guy's gonna do. I know what he's gonna do, and there's nothing I can do to stop him. He lays another bunt down right in front of the plate. Catcher gets it. Guy from second's running, guy from first is running. By the time we pick it up, they've got bases loaded, no outs, and I am frustrated, all right? I am super frustrated. And I remember stepping off the mound and seeing their cleanup hitter. So this was 1989, and I still remember his name, if this tells you where the story's going. All right, his name was Melvin Waring. That was his name. He got drafted, make myself feel better, by the Orioles. But anyways, he didn't make it. But anyways, that makes myself feel better. So he comes up, and I'm thinking, well, surely he's not bunting him. He's 6'3", 220. He didn't bunt, all right? And so he sent my pitch It had a stewardess as it left left field and there's a flight attendant and they were taking orders as it cleared the fence. So I remember, the funniest part of this, I was telling the story to a group of professional baseball scouts at a guy's retirement. And I'm telling the story and a guy walks up to me and he said, I just called Melvin. We played together in the Orioles system and he remembers that. That's hurtful. All right, and and so, so my coach comes to get the ball. And he puts his hand out, and this was, so I'm 19, 20. When you're 19 or 20, it's just things you don't understand. So I said, coach, why are you taking me out? This is not bright. And so he said, I was just sitting to ask, because he was at that point of his career, he's gonna tell me. Let's think about it, Mike. You came in with nobody on, you're leaving with nobody on. The problem is, they've got four runs on the board, and there's still no outs. Got any other questions? I'm like, no, sir. All right, and I put the ball in his hand, I walked off the mound. You know what we feel like spiritually? We feel like God is like that coach who looks at our lives and says, you're not performing, give me the ball. Listen to me. When you get embraced by God's love, his love changes you, not your performance for God's love. Does that make sense to everybody? It's a big deal. John John says it this way. Look at what he says. See how very, what's that word? We can do better than that. Help me out. See how very what? Our Father loves us. Look at what he's bestowed on us is the old way of saying it. He's giving you all these things, and look at me, and you deserve none of them. He gives them because he wants to, not because he has to. We get changed not to gain his love. We get changed by his love. That's what John's saying. 
See, if you think you've got to work for all of it, you're going to burn out and you're going to hate church. But when you finally, that switch clicks that this isn't about your performance, this is about how he already feels about you and you accepting that and embracing that, it's a game changer. I, got, I came to know Christ at 14. I got this when I was 23. It's 23 years old. When I got it, it changed me. Changed how I live. Principle number two, ready? God's desires, because I'm now his child, his desires are now in me. His desires are now in me. Look at what he says. He has not yet shown us what we'll be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So when you come to know Christ, get this, when you come to know Christ on earth, you begin a process. And the process is you become day by day looking more like your heavenly father. That's the process. Literally, it's a picture of a diamond, right? It's a diamond that's been uncut. And one day when you get to heaven, all the extra is away and you see the brilliance of the diamond that was already in there. One day, you're gonna lock eyes with Jesus. That's a fact. One day, we will shed this earthly life and we will take up residence there. And ladies and gentlemen, there are no words to describe heaven. That's why nobody can even capture it. It's just too good. Can you imagine what it's gonna be like to see a hot Krispy Kreme sign and not feel guilty about it? That'll be a beautiful thing. I always, I drink a Diet Coke with it. I don't know why it doesn't help. But anyways, and so, but, but heaven is just beyond our description. It's beyond our imagination. And here's what God happens. When we accept Christ, God's desires get placed in us and they begin to change our desires. I want you to write this little thought down. We begin to focus on him, therefore we begin to look like him. We begin to focus on him, therefore we begin to look like him. Or we should be looking like him. Hardest part of this is we live in a world full of distractions. And none of the distractions are bad. They're fine. But if they're keeping us from looking like him, they're bad. See, and, and that's why he begins to paint this picture of of. Do we look like our heavenly father? Do we look like our, the father of this world, our enemy? So if I were to hit pause right now and I were to walk out here and say, hey, take me to your business tomorrow morning. Take me to the ball club that you play on. Take me to uh, the school that you work in. Hey, so-and-so, do they look more like God or do they look more like this, this father? So as God's child, what he was saying is, we wait with eager expectation because the more I look to Jesus, the more I'll change into a picture of who he is here. I want you to write down this word under number two. Ready? It's a process. It's a process. That process began for me when I was 14 years old. I'm 51 years old. I'm in process. I'm not there yet. I am eagerly wanting to be more than I am. But I still come up short. Do y'all ever come up short? Change is a process where God gives us 
his desires. Everybody look at me real quick. Wouldn't it be something if we really began to look like him here? We live in a world that's dying to know what he looks like and God left us. Some of us, nobody sees the God peace in us yet, but they're going to. Because of this word we're gonna talk about here in just a second called surrender. Number three, and God's power is available to me. It's easy to sit in a chair on a room like, in a room like this morning or watch somewhere online this morning. You're like, okay, that's what I want, but I don't know if I got enough stuff to do it. God's power is available to each of us equally. I don't want you to miss that. His power is available to each of us equally. Don't settle for less. I remember sitting in a class years ago in New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, when I was working on a, a degree, and, and the gentleman made a statement. And I, it's a statement I've really never gotten over, and the statement was this, you have as much Jesus as you choose to want. I like to excuse, give excuses. The question isn't, am I making excuses? The question is, am I making progress? Listen to the way John says it. Those who've been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. All right, so let's talk about this real quick. Because you read that and go, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm in God's family because while we're here on earth, will there be moments that we still sin? Yes or no? Yes, the Braves play the Dodgers tomorrow night, eight o'clock, and now they've got a strike zone box there will be a point in that broadcast, I'm yelling at a television at a bubble in Arlington, right, where the players are playing, and I'm hollering at the blue about a call he made. That's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. The difference is the practice of sinning is lifestyle. It's when I'm in a lifestyle where nobody knows who I really follow because my life couldn't tell you. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying. It would be like me raising my two kids and them going, yeah, dad, what he said on Sunday, yeah, he doesn't live it on Monday. He makes a practice of sinning. Do they know that I sin? Sure they do. But they knew it wasn't a lifestyle. Here's the key. When I follow Jesus, it's impossible to stay the same. It's impossible. I have to work to not change if I'm truly following him. It's been a crazy week in our family. Uh, many of you and have reached out on social media and brought stuff by our home, and we just I, I just can't tell you thank you enough. We <laughs> This time last Sunday, my father-in-law had just gone to the hospital. He wasn't feeling well. He'd gotten COVID. And we truly expected him to be released last Sunday. Friday morning at 6.43 a.m., he went home to be, meet the Lord. So to say the life's been a whirlwind is, is an understatement. I met Paul 1989. 
I was giving up enough home runs in baseball. I thought I might have to find a career of out of this. And Ann and I met and met her parents that spring of 90. And I go, took home with her to West Virginia where she lived and I heard all these stories about this man named Paul and who he used to be. Wild, didn't care about the Lord. Going to bars at night while his wife was at work. Crazy. And I struggled because the guy I met in 1990 didn't look anything like that. See, there was a point his wife prayed him to where he met this man named Jesus at a church called the Bible Center in Charleston, West Virginia. And he was forever changed. So the Paul I met in 1990 wasn't the Paul I heard about. I met the man who loved his wife. When I tell you that they were still dating a week ago after 58 years, they were still dating a week ago. That was who he was. That was what I saw. I saw a dad with three kids who adored the ground he walked on. One son went in ministry, one daughter went as a missionary. And then Ann, who was voted in high school most likely, likely least likely to marry a pastor, married one. All right. And so those are those are his three. She she really was. All right, and so those are the three kids. As a good friend of mine said this week, he left great DNA, but he left even better spiritual DNA in his family. I've known the man for 30 years, live, live right here in town. They vacation with us. We, I've never not seen the man do the right thing and not be kind to me. Why? Because he met a Savior who changed him. I put this on this morning. This is his. And I put it on this morning. And I looked in the mirror and thought, I've got some big shoes to fill. Because he left a big hole here. Because he surrendered to Jesus and it changed him. Because it changed him, it changed me. I've been loved like a son for 30 years I've known the man. I was never his son-in-law, I was his son. And he loved me accordingly. And I loved him like a father. Tuesday we'll gather in this room to celebrate his life and I'm gonna tell you, the ripples will be felt for years. Because when he met Jesus and he surrendered, it changed everything. And that little passage, I had so many great friends like Daniel and say, man, are you okay to do Sunday? And I'm like, God knew we had this message coming. We planned this message two months ago. And I'm reading the passage going, that's about Paul. And what a week he went to meet him because he saw him as he was. 
And I can't imagine that conversation when his eyes locked eyes with Jesus. Two weeks ago, he sat right there. I'm so glad he knew him. I pray you do too. Would you pray with me? Father, I don't ever want to get over meeting you. Father, I don't ever want to get over understanding you love me, not because of what I do, not because of my performance, but doggone, you picked me out of the crowd and you chose to. That's what you did for each of us in this room. God, I pray we take out that mirror today and we look at our lives and say, do I like what I see? Do I look like my heavenly father? Or is my life a poor, poor portrait of who he is? What do I need to surrender to be all his? Would you take a second, second, sit on that, would you? Mike started with 1 John 3, verse 1, which says this. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are, his children. This past week, Ann's daddy went to heaven and he met his heavenly daddy. Because years ago, Ann's daddy surrendered to the heavenly father, their family was forever changed. Chris's daddy was changed. Best daddy was changed. The reality is because that family was different, our church family's different. Casey and student ministry and Chris in the student ministry and Ann and what she does here and Mike and the little bit that he does here and Mary Michael's social media posts keep me up to date with what's going on. I mean, just I'm just I'm just telling you, my family is closer to Jesus because of that family. And that family is the way it is, by and large, because Paul did just what the song said. He surrendered to Jesus. Question. You want in? Do you want to be a part of God's family? Do you want to go from living that way to living this way? What a great story. If you've never met Christ, my prayer is that today you would. I want to give you an opportunity right now to pray and ask God to be a part of his family through his son, Jesus Christ, so that when he says, you're my child, we go, yeah, you are. If that's you, you can pray at home, in this room, pray something like this to God. Dear God in heaven, I believe Jesus is your son. Pray that, just right where you are. I believe Jesus died for my sins. God, I repent, I turn to you. Jesus, be Lord of my life. God, I wanna be in your family. If you prayed that just now, the Bible says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to 
be sons and daughters of God. I believe all of heaven right now rejoices because of that. And maybe, just maybe, Paul's up there in heaven, go, look, there's another one. There's another one. If you prayed that prayer today and asked God to let you be a part of his family, we wanna help you take the next steps and grow in that relationship. So I'm gonna ask you to text us and let us know. You can text us at 555-888 and then text us NSC follow. NSC follow 555-888. If you prayed that, if you've got more questions and part of our connection team staff will reach out and see how we can help you grow in that relationship. I, I told you, God was going to speak through his word. I told you it's going to be a great day and it has been a really great day. And I count it an honor to be able to have shared it with our church family. We love you. We hope you guys have a great, great week. Oh, before we do that though, listen, you can't leave yet. I got, I got something. I want you to continue this conversation. They're going to post a couple questions. We don't just want to leave you hanging. We want you to take this home and apply it. First question, how can you embrace the love of God this week? about how much God loves us and he calls us his children. What area of your life do you most need to embrace that reality so it helps you transform the way that you live? How can you embrace, where do you need to embrace God's love this week? Question number two, at home, here in the room, in the car, how can you extend the love of God this week? I promise you at work, at home, at school, in your neighborhood, there's somebody, there is somebody who you will run into this week who desperately needs to know that God loves them. God, how can I extend your love this week? There's your questions. That's your homework, all right? So when you guys get in the car, drive home, those of you who are already at home, answer those questions and continue that conversation. Again, thanks so much for being with us. You guys have a great, great week.